0: Welcome to Executive Tools, Ditch the Ladder, Part 2. This cast answers these questions. How do executives manage their careers? Is career management the same for managers and executives? What is the career ladder for executives?
1: Well, if you want to answer those questions and more, keep listening. Folks, Mark again, talking to you again about the M Conference. We continue to sell slots. We're really excited about this year's M Conference. We already have all 10 speakers confirmed several months before it, October 26th and 27th in Chicago. If you're a manager and you aspire to be an executive or you're a junior executive or a full executive, you might want to come. You'll hear from a lot of experts across our community that we've asked specifically to speak. You can't you can't demand or ask to speak. We have to ask you. And perhaps the most important thing is you're going to gain a great deal of new members of your network. And as we all know, when you get to the later parts of your career, it's not so much results as it is relationships that will make a difference in your career. And so this is a great opportunity to expand your relationships. And it doesn't hurt for $3,000 you get five years worth of free license out of the $3,000. So essentially the conference is only $2,000. So come to the website, sign up, October 26th and 27th in Chicago, the 2022 M Conference.
0: Welcome back, Mark. We started this uh, show on Ditch the Ladder and got into the ladder, why it doesn't apply to executives, and described The Matrix. Yeah. lot to talk about there, folks, so if you haven't listened to that one, you may want to Welcome go back. to The Matrix. <laughs> yeah, I love I love the term The Matrix. And so no show about executive life would be complete without talking about results and relationships,
1: which is yeah. next topic. So when people talk about the ladder, and when they've asked me this question, and I've had conversations with them about them over the years, I'm like, dude, there is no ladder. And they need another model. And, and then they, funnily, they're still holding on to their old definitions, and they're like, okay, what's the executive ladder? Dude, there's <laughs> no executive ladder. It's bubblegum and cotton balls. It's a cloud. It's nonlinear. It's non-rational. It's episodic. It's inscrutable, as we've said. But really, if I have to describe the latter, it boils down to, it actually makes it easier in some ways. I'm sure most people don't agree with me. Look, you only have to worry about two things. You only have to worry about results from relationships. And, you know, it's funny, people think of career tools, which is our our podcast that's free for, most people think of it as for individual contributors, but all of our guidance applies to all levels of organizations. And then people think of manager tools only for managers, which is true, although we do address some career stuff in there. And people think of executive tools as being only for executives. But this is a case where career stuff still applies to executives and we have said for a long time that the two most important career tools cast and full disclosure folks if you're not listening to career tools and i know you don't have enough time i get it if you're not listening to career tools you're missing out because we don't have enough time in manager tools or executive tools to talk about all this stuff Uh, by the way mike i said that about six months ago i don't know if i ever told you this and somebody said, well, can't you do like four or five podcasts a week? <laughs> i like, well, sure, I can. Sure, sure. As long as you want us to go out of business, I'd, it's no problem. Well, I'll do that for a few weeks. And then, yeah. So the two most important Career Tools casts, and I should give a shout out here to Wendy Lord, who runs our Career Tools cast business. Those two casts, which she and I collaborated on, are Results and Relationships and building a network. Now, if you're a manager and you're not yet an executive, just a caution here. When I say results and relationships, a lot of managers do a little mental gymnastics and what they hear is results and retention, okay? But that's not the same thing. For your career, for the entirety of your career, the arc of your career, whatever it is, the two things that matter is how well you do your job and how well you build relationships. That is it, overly simplified. Well, if people, if they haven't heard that and they've listened to manager tools, been to the effective manager conference, whatever, they, you know, when we say results and retention, those are the specific organizational demands on a manager. And people get confused. Well, Am I not supposed to retain people if I'm an executive and uh yes you are but we're talking about we're talking about two completely different contexts here when it comes to your career it's all about results and relationships results and relationships are the only principles that apply to executive careers in the matrix outside of maybe luck i guess which any senior executive will tell you is only the residue of your results in your relationships anyway when i say luck i mean some randomness there's going to be some randomness that defies description and if you spend all your time trying to figure out why things happen the way they did the last five percent of every decision is luck
0: yeah i i find results in relationships interesting in that i don't know many executives who can get the first without the
1: second right well, yeah, you're totally right, dude. But the problem with that is you can get the first without the second as a manager in many cases. That's right. You, That's can, right. you can put it all on your shoulders. You can do it all yourself. You don't have to delegate. Your People don't have to trust you. You could just say, I'm a smart guy. I'll figure it out. Right. And then they get to the top and they realize I got no relationship anymore. skills. Yeah, yeah, suddenly the bubblegum and cotton balls, you get entangled and there you, you go. get lost. Yeah. I mean, I cannot... I cannot stress that enough. So regardless of your role, executives have to deliver results. In fact, I've said this before in nicer ways. Failure to deliver results actually makes you not an executive, even if you're still in the role, which, by the way, your role is probably valuable to the company, so they'll be asking you to leave sooner or later. I mean, the pay will be good while you're there, if you haven't met your annual goals from the previous year. But at some point, you figure it out, and you'll learn your lesson, and probably you'll figure out you need to go elsewhere. Now, as an aside to that, you might think that there'll be direct feedback in this part of your career management as you're an executive, but in most cases, there won't be. Now, there should be, but should, and many of you have heard me say this many times, does not live in the world of management. And everybody, when they talk about management, anybody who you listen to who purports to be smart and says, should this and should and should and should, they literally don't know what they're talking about. It's actually worse than that. They're literally destroying your brain. The idea that should applies to management is just, I don't know. We use that word really rarely at manager tools for good reason. If you have colleagues who use it a lot, well, they should do this or they should do that. and so on stay away from those people, they're anathema.
0: Yeah. I I, I think we've talked about this long enough. And as we are recording the last show, I was going to mention to you, we ought to do a manager tools podcast on should. Oh, just,
1: just on should, yeah, just on should. Yeah, I, I, I like that.
0: I think there's, you know, a good 45 minute discussion on that.
1: Might We might title it, You Should Not Should. You Should Not Should. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And I'll go a little further here. One of the tragedies of HR and performance management systems, by the way, full disclosure, I did not say I hate HR. I'm over that. I don't hate HR. I hate bad HR, of which there's a lot. And HR is necessary in large organizations. And when it's done well, it's priceless. But one of the strategies that HR visits on organizations and the sharp point of that knife is performance management systems is their willingness just because of the scope of what they're managing is they allow junior people, individual contributors, first and second line managers to be evaluated without rigorous comparison to their named and measured responsibilities. What ends up happening is those managers then learn that there's not a pure connection between results and success, and it sets up far too many managers to be shocked when they get their first bad review and they get it as an exec because as an exec, you might think of the cloud up there as being soft and gentle and so on, but conversely, it's just the opposite. It might be cloud-like and the pay might be good, but the point of the knife is at your throat all the time. Don't get results, and you're not part of this club anymore. And I can tell you, I've talked to many people. This is, yeah, I got a bad review. And they said, are you now at the executive level? Yeah, that's what my company says. Well, you learned a lot of stupid, bad lessons. And if you'd listened to us, you, you would have unlearned them. If you become an executive and you're not willing to get in trouble for stuff you didn't do, because you decided, you alone, company didn't tell you, because you decided it wasn't a priority, you're going to get your head handed to you, folks. You cannot get everything done. There's no way to do it. And you have to decide which of the results that you have been handed are most important. It might be 20. It might be five. If you get five, you might try to get all of them done. You have to decide what they are. And you then have to take the risk, And look, when you're an executive, by definition, you have risk because the organization has risks and you represent the leadership of the organization, which is to say you represent the organization, you have to be willing to choose where your risk is going to be. And when you think about it for a minute, you realize that's what I expect my CEO to do, to choose where her risk is going to be. Is it going to be on the important stuff? On the unimportant stuff. Is it going to be on the stuff that makes her look good? or the stuff that doesn't. And sometimes that matrix gets, in my opinion, pretty interesting. We've said this before, but I wanna say it again because it relates classically to the junior executive's life and the issue of learning results and relationships. If you have failed to master delegation, you are probably engaged in what is the most common cause of a new executive's failure. When you reach executive ranks, I mean, we've been saying this for years, even in manager tools, your workload is going to triple, okay? At the same time, the organization is going to insist that you attend a series of meetings that you don't really think are all that super important, and they get in the way of your quote, initiatives, unquote, but they will insist and you will go, and your calendar will be cut by a third for a lot of meetings you have to go to, because one of the things managers learn as they're climbing that narrow, vertical, singular, angular, linear ladder is that at the executive level, decisions and actions and the planning of those things essentially are almost all collaborative, okay? When you're a manager, you can get away with doing stuff your own way. You cannot do it as an executive. It's much more collaborative at senior levels. It, so, think of it this way. You've been working 60 hours a week. That's too much, but I know many of you do it. And you had been accomplishing 100% of your work. But you now have 60 hours a week to accomplish 300% more. That's That's the tripling. Okay, That is a nearly 5x compression of your workload relative to your calendar. If you think as a manager right now that you want to be an executive and that you're fully busy, you have no idea, none, and you're doomed. You're literally doomed. If you haven't mastered delegation, you're going to fail because your people won't be ready and... You won't have the time, and you'll try to do what you did as a manager, the heroic move. It's like the golf shot that's 280 yards with the three wood over a pond with a very steep front on the green and then a very difficult bunker. And they put it there to make you think you can make it when, in fact, no one ever (laughs) makes it. And you're going to be fired. Actually, no, probably you won't be, quote, fired, unquote, Because here's what's interesting. You become an executive and people tell you, yeah, you're probably not going to get fired. No, you're not going to get fired. It's so much of an embarrassment for the company that you got to the executive level and then couldn't handle it. In other words, they can't vet their people. They let you get that far without properly vetting you. I mean, it's shameful on them, separate from the fact that you're the one losing your job. So you won't be fired, you'll be asked to resign. Or it'll be hinted at, and if you're smart, and you've got to that level, you're pretty smart. You'll figure it out. And to be clear, they'll give you a financial kiss on the cheek to encourage you to go. Somebody will say, you know, it might be time for you to think about doing something else. And so I say to Mike, my boss, I say, well, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. And he says, look, we'll make it work through a while. We'll, we'll announce that you're resigning to pursue other opportunities, and, and there'll be a bonus worth 20, you know, 50% of your pay or something for a year just to make it easy because we want you to find another role. So you're not thought as a pariah thought of as a pariah. Uh, And the press release will say, and, and by the way, and you will say that you resigned to pursue other opportunities. If you've ever read that phrase, resigned to pursue other opportunities. Now, you know, that person was fired, but we don't fire executives, and we're happy to pay them money to go away because being an executive is so important. We wanna make the process as encouraging as possible for those people we don't want to stick around. And it boils down to hashtag because results, because the executive did not meet her first responsibility, which is results. So how do relationships come into play here? Yeah, it's easy. What we just said about collaboration, I think I've mentioned that word a couple of times. And actually, I don't like the word collaboration because all these web pages, Mm -hmm. all all of the stupidity on the internet about you need to be collaborative and all this stuff. But they don't describe what collaboration actually is. They don't describe that it's an extra email or an extra Slack message. Or when you have a choice of an email or a Slack or a face-to-face, you choose to engage in the face-to-face Or you set up a time or you ping somebody and say, can I call you? I want to talk to you. I want to hear your voice about how things are going. But look, if you're not an exec yet, it's hard to see. But when you look up at the top of your organization and you decry, quote, the politics, unquote, of a certain decision, you're missing the point. What you call politics, executives call collaboration. In fact, I think we've had a cast where we talk about it. It's one of my favorite phrases. Politics is nothing more than relationship effects. Mike and I are friends. He knows that one of his directs wants something done. He talks to me and says, hey, I want my guy to do well here. Can you do me a solid? And be supportive. And I said, Well, I can as far as I, you know, as, as far as my job will allow me to do. I said, but if your guy is going to come talk to me, the one thing he can't put in his plan is X. And Mike says, Yeah, I'll make sure that's done. Now his guy comes and presents to me, and I say, Yeah, I'm on board. A la. This is essentially a la pre wiring. And people think, like, well, why is Horseman agreeing to Ozan's guy's thing? Well, because Osan and Horseman have a relationship. And I know later in the year, I'm going to have to ask him for a little bit of leeway for one of my people to get something, some initiative started to get right. some capital approved so we can prove that the idea is actually good. Most people miss the
0: entire point, though, right? Which is they think that the person who presented it and Ugh. got immediate acceptance by Horseman somehow yeah. was. Like it's there's some magic that that person has. Yeah. Like, well, no,
1: yeah, that decision was already made long before the presentation, right, yeah, right. Right. right? Look, almost no decision at executive level is linear or vertical, it's matrix, in, matrix influenced, multiple stakeholders, all of whom have competing priorities and are choosing to compromise to achieve what the organization needs. If you're a manager and you're thinking about becoming an executive, and I encourage you, if you're a member of the manager tools community, we want more manager tools people to become executives because you're ethical, because you care about people, because you understand the basics, you're clear about the environment in which you live. But if you haven't learned yet to be satisfied with 80% of what you want when you're pitching something, and by the way, that 80% is a high number, you're gonna be frustrated in the executive career matrix because because you're not going to get 100%. 100% is, it's crazy. It's not job crazy town. It's like pie in the sky. It's cloud cuckoo land. 80% is in the realm of possibility. 75% is good. 70 is probably reasonable. And there are cases where I'd be happy with 60 Right, Mike? I mean, yeah. you just, you don't get all the stuff you want. So here's a good example, a simple example. And I've used this example before, and people just shake their heads. It's a good example because I know it's true. I actually have seen it happen, not with these titles before. You've seen it happen, Mike. We're going to talk about a VP of sales and a VP of manufacturing in a large organization, billion-dollar-plus gross revenue organization. And these two people don't have a good relationship. The sales exec is shiny and maybe a little flashy. Maybe she dresses pretty sharp. On the other hand, she struggles to connect with the manufacturing executive who has 40 years of experience and has watched these sales hotshots come and go. If the two of them were at company events, and by the way, these are mandatory evening company events, don't become an executive unless you assume that you're going to have to routinely two nights a week assume you're going to mandatory company events. But when they go, they don't seek each other out. Now, sales and manufacturing should be cheek by jowl. They should be salt and pepper. Actually, salt is the condiment on the table that everybody needs. Whoever was in the marketing department at the pepper uh, industry (laughs) that figured out we need to get close to salt, we we don't really need pepper very often. No, we do. Dude, it's a true story. I wrote about this in Things I Think I Think. If you're a licensee, you're listening to Executive Tools. I mentioned this recently. Pepper. The greatest, marketing, the,
0: the greatest
1: marketing achievement ever was the pepper industry figuring out, we just need to be close to We're going to hook our wagon to salt, salt man. Exactly. Everybody needs salt. And, that, and now, look, if I say salt and, what percentage of people in the world say pepper? It's not a percentage. It's everybody. So these two people don't seek each other out. They're not friends. And they don't think they have to because, you know what, they just spent a hard day at work and they're going to an event, they're going to drink some wine or drink some scotch if they're smart, and they're going to hobnob with some important people. And if there's customers there, they'll make sure they shake the customer's hands and say they hope they're serving them well and would love to talk to them about opportunities to serve them more and so on. But VP of manufacturing, VP in sales should be salt and pepper. And They're often not. They come from two different worlds, especially in organizations that imply to their people that this is a sales ladder, it's a career ladder, it's a manufacturing ladder, and the ladder does go all the way to the very top. It's completely misleading. And so, the VP of sales and the VP of manufacturing don't know each other, and they really need to be salt and pepper. It makes no sense to make something you can't sell. And even if your manufacturing organization wants to make something, it doesn't make any sense to make it if the sales organization won't sell it.
0: Yeah. Here's the most important question of the entire cast to you. Yeah. Since you came out of a sales world at one point yeah. in your career. So sales and manufacturing, who's the salt and who's the pepper? Oh,
1: sales is the salt. <laughs> come on, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, manufacturing gets all the capital and rightly so. But, but I'm sorry. Sales, yeah, is the salt. you got to have the I'm salt. Sorry. But come on, pepper tastes it, a lot better. <laughs> I, look, folks, if you disagree with me, in fact, right I just interviewed. I just interviewed somebody for a for a presenter position here at Manager Tools, and they're a manufacturing person. I love this guy; he's fantastic. We're not nearly done with the process yet. But he's a manufacturing guy. But if anybody wants to write me, M-A-Horstman, numeral two, at dot I'll be happy to uh, to debate okay. with you in okay. a series of emails of why sales is the salt and manufacturing is the pepper. Yeah.
0: And IT
1: is the ketchup. <laughs> yeah, um, actually, I don't know that it would be the ketchup. Actually, Never mind. 40 40 years ago, I'm gonna I'm gonna be bold here. I'm gonna say 40 years ago, IT was the chili peppers. It was for just a few, it was just for a few people. It was in the back rooms and it had elevated floors and elevated ceilings to handle the air conditioning. And you know, it was big iron and so on. Now IT has appropriately infiltrated everything. And IT, mm, I might give you the credit of saying, you're the tablecloth now. The tablecloth. In the world today, you're the tablecloth. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You could do it without a tablecloth, but it would be difficult and messy and, yeah, and not nearly messy. as fun. So.
1: And wouldn't look nearly as good. <laughs> All right. It just wouldn't. So I would say you're the tablecloth.
0: Now you know what you get. You know, lucky you, listening to Executive Tools. Seriously, get the if, if
1: I could have any condiments on the table, I'd want relish. I love relish. Actually, the best condiment is mustard. Why? Two reasons. It goes on hot dogs. And by the way, nothing else goes on hot dogs, folks. I don't know. if I mean, if you're in America, there's nothing else. A hot dog has mustard on it and nothing else. And the second reason is, I checked recently, I love mustard. Mustard has exactly zero calories. Relish doesn't. Ketchup, definitely. Ketchup is literally sugar with red food coloring, I've discovered. It's amazing. It's just like sugar heaven. But yeah, I would I would, uh, I would, would okay. say IT's the tablecloth.
0: All right. I'll let this one go. Sorry, folks.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's okay. It's
0: it just Mark can.
1: That's the yeah, question. Exactly. I would say sales is mustard, but then we have a whole other problem. We got new analogies to come up with. Okay. So look, if the VP of sales and VP of manufacturing, who won't get along, were seen by someone else to be chatting at one of these mandatory company events, they would think, oh my, what's going on there? That's the odd couple right there. But folks, here's the crux of this. Executive relationships are not about easiness. They're not about friendliness. They're about effectiveness for the organization. I don't care if you're the VP of manufacturing and you don't like the slick VP of sales. Build a relationship with him or her, full stop. I don't care if you're a VP of sales and you think that manufacturing is grimy and gritty and you don't want to go to the plant. By God, go to the plant, build a relationship, make sure you know the VP of manufacturing's birthday, his anniversary, his or her uh, spouse's uh, birthday as well, their kids' names. You should be busting your tail to build a relationship with them. Now, to continue the story, VP of sales realizes that some customers need a new product. Now, it's going to require some customization. Now, if you're smart, you know that customization is anathema to the manufacturing organization. It affects their efficiency numbers, and efficiency numbers is one of the key things that the VP of manufacturing pays attention to because efficiency numbers lead to profitability or not, okay? Nevertheless, at the same time, she can't sell a product that he won't make, right? The VP of manufacturing doesn't want to make it. And without a relationship, she doesn't have the tools to persuade him, dude, I know this is going to mess up your numbers, but the profit is going to be such a nice icing on this cake, nobody will care. And if they don't have a relationship, they're running a 100 yard dash, but they're starting 200 yards away from the finish line, and nobody's going to win that race. If you take it from the other side, if the VP of manufacturing realizes there are some efficiencies he could gain and thereby obviously increase profits, But in order to do it, he'd have to stop making some low-volume products. That makes total sense. He wants to go talk to the VP of sales. But without a relationship with her, he may not approach them. And if there's no relationship and he does approach them, she's going to tell him those products are the bread and butter of the sales force. The numbers tell the VP of sales that about 20% of her sales force would miss their targets, without the revenue from these low-volume but necessary and customer-satisfying, because they buy them, products. And the VP of manufacturing can't make a product. She won't sell. These are two different impasses, and the reason why is because there is no relationship to bridge the gap between these two people. And let me tell you, I've uh, given this analogy. I've told this story a hundred times, and everybody says, "Well, that's why the CEO's there to adjudicate." Oh yeah, that's why. That's why she's there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Look, folks, if you think the answer is to have the CEO adjudicate, you're an idiot. Okay. Actually, you should know those of you, since you're executive tools folks, you you can get access to the show notes. The show notes actually say, if you think the answer is to have the CEO adjudicate, think again well, this is me now, and most of you know have known me for a while. It's not think again, it's you're an idiot, okay? Sometimes CEOs do have to do that, but I promise you, they will resist doing so when they know that they're having to do so because of a lack of a core competency, which is building relationships among their senior team. If Mike and I both report to Kate or Sarah, And Mike and I have a good relationship, and we can't work it out. And we've worked it out 99 times out of 100, but this time we won't. Sarah will adjudicate. She'll be fine with it. Now I'll make that choice. But if Mike and I don't have a relationship and Sarah doesn't see it, and then we come to her two or three times saying, Mike wants this and Mark wants this, we're both going to be getting a financial kiss on the cheek and be going somewhere else. And by the way, CEOs don't take kindly to executives who think the solution is to create a relationship with the CEO, Mike sucking up or me sucking up to Sarah in order to get what we want. That is not how the game is played. This is not a vertical linear relationship organization. It's much more nebulous than that. And what it boils down to is for, in this case, for want of a relationship nail, the organization loses. And let me tell you something else. If you think you can get away with the kind of relationship breadth and depth and reach that you have had as a manager, again, think again. I'm not going to call you an idiot again. Relationships for executives are not linear. They are not vertical. They are not, quote, just to my adjacent group. Frankly, the person who wrote the org chart, who's adjacent to whom is a function of whoever wrote the org chart, which is probably somebody in graphic design who doesn't know why the organization is organized the way it is. Executive relationships are across every bit of the matrix cloud. They're up, they're down, they're sideways, and broadly sideways as well. And by the way, let's go further. The executive career matrix is not confined to your organization. That's a great point. That is a great point. Dude, you know this. It's outside of the organization. Absolutely. But when I start talking about executives, everybody immediately, I, it took me three or four years to realize when I was talking about executives, people just shrink it down, right? They shrink it right down to, oh, the executives in my company. But good gosh, no. No, absolutely. Yeah, the executives are the ones that, that are responsible for
0: looking outside <laughs> exactly. the environment, right? Outside the company, right?
1: Folks- what my, I just leaned away from the microphone, I'm sorry, because I was like, I was dancing in my, my chair here. It's not just assumed, it's expected that your relationships extend into your industry, your geographical area, the geographical areas where your company operates, in governmental arrangements, in academic organizations. And if you're in governmental or academic, your relationships extend to the corporate as well. They could be donors, They could be partners, they could be contributors in terms of, you know, why wouldn't you want to have a partnership, a relationship with a manufacturing firm if you have an engineering department in your university? Holy Toledo, of course you would. So, I'm going to take it a step further, particularly for you high C's, you'll love this. If you haven't been tracking and measuring where your relationships are and with whom and their strength and the frequency of contact, start now remember all relationships are always decaying and the solution to stop or to stanch the decay is communication always yeah
0: well done all right this is taking that longer fun. I, and maybe the maybe the salt and pepper has something to do with it sorry folks is it li-
1: <laughs> Has it literally been 30 point 30 minutes yeah it's 30 it's, minutes yeah
0: almost 35 minutes
1: I got to tell you, this is one of my most fun casts. I I don't know if I said this in the first part, but I wrote this cast in three hours. Typically for a long cast, like an hour, hour and a half long cast, it would take me six hours to write. And this one came out in three. And what's interesting is it was fun. There are casts that come out relatively fast that aren't fun. I know I have to say something and I want to share it with the audience, but this one was a hoot and it was fast. So I take it from the fact that you're mentioning a time hack
0: my, yeah, I think my, this is. My dear
1: leader. Yeah. You don't want me to continue? No, I
0: do not. I think you know, oh, i will be on. too long. I'm
1: just getting started. I you know. know like, I know. Pull the rug up. out from under you. Yeah. yeah, I know. Totally. Yeah. That's, somebody's got to do it, right? You know,
0: when we hang up, go have your steak and put some salt and pepper on it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Tell me <laughs> just how you
0: liked it. No, just
1: salt. Just salt. Mike, maybe, you know, if I was going to get a steak with some salt on it, I'm sure the restaurant would offer me Bernays sauce, but what I would ask for is Hollandaise. That's when it gets really
0: good. Oh, it is. Mustard. Whatever.
1: know, I mean, Whatever.
0: No, I'm so done with your food choices today. <laughs> All right. Thanks everyone. We'll see you next time. This is fun. Thank you, partner. So loved it.